0: Thank you, Lord, that your love is set upon us as your people. Thank you, Lord, that we know from your word that when we gather in your name that your heart is moved. Your heart is moved with affection for your people. Lord, move in our hearts with affection for you. touch our hearts, Lord, more than anything, we need you to touch our hearts. We we need a a fiery touch of God, a tender touch of God in our hearts. We need our minds opened by the Spirit, a Spirit of revelation and the knowledge of you. Thank you, Jesus. It's great to be here with you guys again. I believe the last time was uh, December. How many of you guys were here in December? How many of you guys are new to the community as of this year? This year's? A few people. So I wanted to share a couple of words I felt in um, during, during worship, some, some impressions in my spirit. I'm a little bit tired, but usually when it comes to the prophetic, that's... For some reason, when I'm more tired, I feel like I see more things. But I should, I should also start by saying this. 50% of the time, I'm right every single time. <laughs> whenever, I, whenever I get something from the Lord in the form of prophetic word. So be encouraged. So a couple of things that I really sense for the house, and of course, when it comes to that, the biblical way is to submit the word to the house and let those elders and prophetic fathers and mothers, people of the word... You submit the word and they, they can test and pray through the weeks and months to come and keep what's the Lord and throw away what's not. But a couple of things that I really sense, and I know some of these things are not outside of what you guys have been praying, was one, I know, I know one of the words that has really marked this house is, is uh, and that's something I'm going to reference today as well, is like an Antioch house. So some of the things that I saw just even during worship was that, there's going to, you know, as you guys have been launching out and, and more so like finding your identity in him, but then also the culture of the work and what that looks like when it, as it pertains to assignment here in the city and the nations. I saw like rising tide, almost like tides of water, like rising tides of water. I really feel like there's going to be many people that come and, and, and join and that you, your numbers will swell greatly even beyond what you're able to contain. But then there'll be like dips like, there'll be highs and, and, and when it comes to, like, numbers. A lot of people coming and joining, staying for a year, two years, three years, people leaving, getting sent out. Similar to an Antioch. Rather than, like, a traditional family church. And so I really believe God's going to be sending people over, and specifically because of the strength of, like, individual families. I believe that the backbone of what God is, the foundation or the backbone of what God is building here is Strong families. Of course, a corporate family, but specifically like individual families. I mean healthy marriages. I mean children that love the Lord, that respect their parents, that walk in the fear of the Lord, that are actually serving Jesus, have experienced Jesus on a personal level. Wives that love and submit themselves to their husbands, husbands that are willing to lay down their lives for their wives, lead their wives with the fear of the Lord, their families with the fear of the Lord, and not by manipulation and control. So I really believe that that's one of the things that I saw in worship is that God's going to add and bring people here almost like a picture of like David and his mighty men. Of course, David being the person of the Lord it's prophetic for Jesus. But all kinds of people came, broken people came, different people who sensed something in their hearts, had 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 something inside of their hearts that they didn't necessarily have vocabulary for until they came around it. And then in their hearts, they knew this is where I belong. And and for a season stayed, maybe for long-term stayed, but some are going to get healthy and get strengthened, I believe, and then go back out, get sent back out, whether where they came from or maybe to the nations, different places. Another thing that I felt that I saw that I want to submit is you guys doing some things, almost like an internship thing, like curriculum, which I don't know if that's the Lord or not for you guys down the line, but almost like a curriculum type thing where, where like interns, not necessarily like a Bible school, but something that's a little bit systematic. Four people, maybe young people, I'm not sure. But the, but, the, but the big focus, too, was just on families. It doesn't have anything to do necessarily with the word that I really want to encourage you guys with today. But I wanted to at least give that to you guys and pray that to whatever degree you feel like it sticks, take it. Take it from the Lord. So Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. As we turn here, I want to share a quick testimony. That connects with the word, some, some of the things that God is doing in Iraq. As you turn to Luke chapter 10. There's three words that, that came to mind. I usually don't title messages, and if I do, I usually don't try to use, like, catchy punchline ones. But I do realize that people remember them better. And young people love them. So there's three words. Prayer, the plow, and power. Prayer, the plow, and power. And so, you know, even in our own ministry in Iraq, it's, uh, we, we've seen a real increase of God's, of an outpouring of God's spirit and what he's seeking to do in the nations of the earth. And, and there's one testimony I want to share. Usually I'm really bad with remembering testimonies. For years I would travel and do missions trips, whether... Stateside or abroad and come back home. And Danielle would ask me, like, you know, sh- share, wh- like, what happened on the trip? <laughs> like, yeah. Any testimonies? I'd be like, yeah, it was good. It was a really good time. <laughs> like, well, did, did God, like, did anything happen? Yeah, yeah, people got saved and healed. And... It's almost like either I have a really bad memory or the way that God keeps me in a place of, like, lowliness and humility is I just forget everything. <laughs> I forget all the testimonies, so we can't, you know. But once in a while, I'll ask them, like, remind me of some of the specific testimonies, not general testimonies. And one of them is is you know God is building family. God is God is restoring families. He's jealous for family. And um, there were, there was a young man recently, actually, at the beginning of this year, that connected with us through our social media page. We have a social media page that we use. We we send out evangelistic type messages through and salam actually reaches out to people sometimes <laughs> sometimes they have good intentions sometimes they, they don't have very kind intentions towards us but we try to filter them out salam is one of pray for salam god gives him wisdom and uh and so one one young man we met with him and you know we, we were talking to him first online and we met with him in person of course these are muslim people He's from a rougher part of Baghdad, Salam is familiar with, called Madinat al-Sadr. It's it's like the slums of Baghdad. Baghdad's about 10 million people. He's about 19, 20 years old. And so he he comes and he responds because he had had dreams. He had had three or four dreams in consecutive nights the week prior with Jesus. And and in in each dream, he saw himself... Being buried in the ground at his own funeral, and he saw a man in white. And the last one, he was raised from the dead. The last one, so he was gripped with the fact that he he realized that he's he's going, eventually he's going to expire. And he he recognized that G, in the dream, this is the the Jesus or the Messiah that the Christians preach. And so we we shared with him. We helped to explain some of the some of the prophetic imagery in his dream, shared with him and he received the Lord and we followed up with him and it seemed like there was a real quickening in his spirit, a real born again experience. The next time we met with him, we asked him, you know, how he's doing about his family and he mentioned how there was, there was real brokenness in his family and he, him and his brother had been at odds for a couple of years, hadn't spoken almost at all for a couple of years. The last several times they had seen one another, had gotten physical, that had physical fist fights, and so we encouraged him to call his brother and to apologize to his brother. Of course, at which point he felt like you know it's his fault. That's usually the way that we as humans are, it's his fault. And you have to understand, for a man to apologize in the Middle East is uh, it's, it's, a, it's a rare thing, it's, it takes you know, reducing yourself and, and presenting yourself as, as weak and it, it can look shameful. And so we encouraged them. listen, this is, this is a, an opportunity for you to reveal the gospel, to preach the gospel to him. If you can humble yourself in your own heart, take responsibility and say, I want you to forgive me because I have experienced the power of forgiveness in Jesus. And so he did. He called him and his brother immediately came because he was so shocked by the conversation. So he immediately came to the coffee shop and, and we shared with his brother and his brother wanted to receive the Lord. So then we, we came back a couple months later and, and he said, you know, pray for my family. And we, we believe this is what God does. God restores families. God's into reconciliation and the restoration of families. Not just individuals, but families. That's, that's what he wants to do. He wants to save families and purify families. And so we had a team of, of um, the team that visited us of mostly Arab speakers from Canada. And we were going out. We had a team of maybe, I don't know, 10, 12 people. Chris was actually there as well. Chris and Alonzo, they, they were there. And so every day we would go out to the streets for, for, you know, I don't know, two, three hours, pray for the sick in Baghdad, and then invite them to come to evening meetings that we were hosting in different local churches. And so they, they of course, throughout these couple of months, you know, we're we're praying in general, but also praying for their families. And so the teams come back every day, share testimonies and, you know, what happened today and different ones are sharing how God touched people, healed people people that were open, people that were willing to pray. But this young man, he calls us and he says, you would never believe what happened. Before the evening meeting, I think it was like the second or the third night, he says, today, my father, in a city of 10 million people, in a a neighborhood far from the neighborhood that we met him in or where the meetings were to be held. He says, my father, who's been an alcoholic his whole life, left my mother remarried, hasn't taken care of us as a family, strong, deep division between him and her, between us and him, was shining shoes today, which is what he, apparently he does for a living. And, and s- some Egyptian people walked up to him and asked him if they could pray for him and asked him if he, was, if he had pain, was not able to walk, Give him, gave him a word of knowledge. He says, yes, it was true. They prayed for him. He immediately felt the pain leave. He got healed. And they gave him an invitation with our logo on it, our sticker on it. He brought it home, showed it to his kids. And his kids were like, we know those guys. So he came, first one up at the altar call. His father, the first one up at the altar call. God is is into restoring families. And I believe that God is going to bring even to this work families from different parts of the U.S. to, 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 to be strengthened in prayer, the plow of the harvest... And the power of God. Now one of the things that I think is really important to address even before we look at the passage is the need for men, the male species. <laughs> right. Yes, it's, it's, I feel like it's necessary these days. Biological men. <laughs> Scientifically biological men. Do you know, do you know it's, a, it's a crazy stat. You know, in, in our ministry, and this is just an, an example or a reference point that doesn't just pertain to us. I've seen these numbers across the board, not just in missions, but also here in local church involvement. I think YWAM and maybe Operation World, ran some statistics some years ago that for every seven to eight women who were involved in world missions, there was one man. One man. That indicates a problem in the church. Because not just when it comes to missions, because these things are indicators. It's not about missions. It's about an indicator. Because it was no different in most of my church experience in prayer meetings when I grew up in Chicago. Maybe not necessarily 7 to 1 or 8 to 1, but there was a clear disparity between we have a list we need people to serve, how many women signed up to how many men signed up. We got a prayer meeting, we're going we're to seek the face of God. How many women signed up, how many men signed up. We're going to do missions. And so I, I say all that to say it, it starts with... It starts with men seeking the face of God and choosing to make sure that priority looks like the face of Jesus in his presence and, and family, investing in family, and being obedient to the words of Jesus. It's not necessarily about, I'm not using the stat as a way to try to pull people into world missions. It's about choosing to say yes to God's mission. God's mission. It's not about missions. It's about loving Jesus and God's mission in the earth. Amen. I think gener- I'm generalizing now. Generally speaking, in, in the church at large, Jezebel has emasculated far too many men, and it's a problem. Which is why Paul tells Timothy, let men in every place, I want men in every place with pure hands, praying. When he addresses the church, he just that's, he makes just a real general reference for men and a real general reference for women. And when he addresses men, I'm sure there's many different things he can address. He says, let this one thing be established in men's identities. I want Purity. I want men's hands pure and unstained by sexual sin and the love of money. I want, them, I want them lifted up to the Lord and their hearts inclined to him in every place. And I really believe that that's, that's what the Lord is doing in this hour. And this is what God is doing in his church. And so... Antioch as a church, Antioch as a church was a base, was a place of prayer. I believe you guys have taught on this before. That's Acts 13, by the way. Acts 13, there was the Jerusalem church, which was very much like the primary hub or the initial hub of first century Christianity, if we want to call it that. Primarily made up of Jews, although there, was, there were some Gentile believers. And then you had the church in Antioch that was largely led by and had heavy involvement from Gentiles, although they were also Jewish believers. And this place was a place of devotion to the Lord, but it was a place also of mission and a place of power. We see in the scriptures that power or authority is linked to certain things. Now, clearly, the Lord gives his disciples power. He and He's the one that entrusts to us greater and greater measures of himself. We are called to steward what God gives us. But there's a link there's a link between obedience to God's word, faithfulness to God, and the power of God, which is necessary for mission. It's necessary. And we shouldn't be falsely humble when we we say we need the power of God. More than anything, we want Him. But because we want him, we recognize we need the power of God. We need a baptism of fire. Not just as a one-time experience. We need the power of God in every way. We need grace. The divine empowerment of God to live holy, to walk in joy, to walk in love, to see signs and wonders, boldness in the face of, of threats and the fear of death. We need the power of God. Amen? Amen. I believe that that two things that I really want to touch on today, and these are not the only things, this is not an exhaustive list, but just two things, is purity and suffering. Purity and suffering. And the reason the two is because Jesus, before he was launched into his assignment, there was an assault, a demonic assault against his identity in, in the wilderness. In a time of devotion and communion, he, there was an assault on his identity. The enemy tried to cause him to question God's goodness, tried to get him to question God's ways, tried to get him disjointed from obedience to leaning in on the leadership of the Spirit. And he chooses to stay faithful. The same temptations that Israel as a nation faced that we see in 1 John chapter 2, the same things He faced in the wilderness and overcame. And when he came out, he came out in the power of the spirit. Paul says to Timothy, there are different kinds of vessels in a house. There are vessels of honor and there are vessels for common use. And those who keep themselves free from these lower base things will will set themselves apart to be vessels of honor. Purity. Purity is important. There's a link between purity and power. Between purity and authority. And the other one is, and of course this is not an exhaustive list, but just something I really feel to submit, is suffering. Suffering. Scars release the power of Jesus. Scars release the power of Jesus. And scars will either turn into deep offenses and pain and bitterness, or they will turn into portals and pathways for the glory of Jesus that resides within to find its way out. Because the spirit of God fills people, fills people. God fills people with his character and his nature and his power. And he wants his spirit to leak out of people. And that's why Paul says that out of these weak earthen vessels, and then he boasts, if he boasts in anything, it's not his resume of accomplishments, but in the fact that God goes out of his way to scar him so that the the glory of God that resides in these jars of clay can find their way out and touch other people and so when it comes to that we're not we don't need to we don't need to go go out of our way to find you know to like self uh, what's the word called yeah self-flagellate ourselves we're not we're not trying to like scar you know go out of our way to find ways in which we can be rejected or persecuted all we have to do is just stay faithful to Jesus that's all you have to do just stay faithful to Jesus and it'll come. It'll come. And when it comes, we respond with love for him. We respond with a spirit of forgiveness. We don't respond with a spirit of accusation against others. We don't respond with the pointing of the finger. We don't respond with a need to have to defend ourselves and defend our character or our dignity before the eyes of others. We, we, we go low. We go low. We forgive we walk in mercy. We choose to take the low road, the short end of the stick. There's power that's released. There's power that's released through scars when we're faithful to Jesus. There's authority that's released. There's authority that's released when we choose to live consecrated lives and set apart lives and say yes to him. And that's not meant, that's not meant to, to be... Um, like some kind of a, like a heavy legalistic burden to, to be placed upon us. It's just an invitation from the Lord to go higher with him. It's an invitation from the Lord to go higher with him. You know, we, he wants us to go deeper with him and to go higher with him and to experience him in greater ways. And he's, he's looking at our hearts. He's, he's looking at our hearts, always wanting to pour out his spirit upon us and to touch us. And so we, we see this in, in uh, Acts 13. We see a people of prayer. They were ministering to the Lord and fasting. They were ministering to the Lord. A people of prayer. Families that pray. Husbands and single men and young men that pray. Now, again, this is for the church at large. But based on statistics, that's, that's, <laughs> women need to pray as well. If you're a woman, of course, that you guys understand that goes across the board. But people that pray, people that minister to the Lord, that value his presence, value his presence. It's interesting that Jesus says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He doesn't say where your heart is, there you will find your treasure. The way I would think it or the way I would have worded it is wherever your heart is, if you can find a man's heart, you can find out what's in his heart. He says, no, 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 no. It's the things that a person treasures, gives their attention to, gives, gives their, their heart affection to, their resources to, their thoughts to. The sum total of, 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 their, of their minds, the, 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 the mind's eye is directed towards what? That's, that's the thing that we treasure. And so you had people of prayer in that, in that church in Antioch. And when people pray, and this is one of the things that I believe is clearly marks this house, and it seems like increasingly so, you guys are giving yourself to this. And I want to affirm, I believe it's the Lord. We stand with you guys in every way that we're able to from the other side of the world. <laughs> but when, when people pray... The Lord begins to work, and the Lord begins to send. And that's why I really believe that the more you guys give yourself to prayer, the more God's going to send people to you, and the more God's going to send people from you. And it's not necessarily overseas, it's just the spirit of the Lord is going to set apart. He's going to say, set these apart. And when there's an understanding that this is what it looks like to build according to this kind of a pattern, or when you feel like that's an assignment that God has called you to, to be that kind of a hub, that kind of a church, that kind of a people, it's something that we mentally have to prepare ourselves for. We mentally prepare ourselves for. It's, it's prayer, it's the plow, and it's power. So Luke, Luke chapter 10, these are, verse 2, this is a very common Verse we got a couple of people in our in our work back home in Iraq that set an alarm on their phones at ten o two every evening. I'm not sure if they do it in the morning as well. But they might do it in the morning and in the evening, and um they pray luke ten two either once or twice a day every day, every day, like as a reminder. <laughs> And it says this, he says, he says to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into the harvest. And then after, he says, go your way, I'm sending you. Go your way, I'm sending you. As we continue to seek the face of God in prayer we anticipate the fact that God's going to answer many of those prayers through pouring out a spirit inside of us and making us the answer to send, to send out. One more passage in, in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, we know, we know this passage in, in the first part of the, Of the chapter, of course, there's this New Testament hymn that churches would gather and sing or maybe quote out. Speaking of the the glories of Jesus through through the cross and how his name has been lifted up higher than any other name. And after he says this, of course, he's dealing with this particular church. And there's different issues in their midst that he's seeking to address. And this is how he addresses it. He says... In verse 19, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests and not those of Christ. But you know, Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with the father, he has served me in the gospel. Paul is sharing on Jesus, the Son who has given himself in the service of the Father, through obedience to the cross, through communion and loving trust, through the place of devotion, in the power of the Spirit. And then afterwards he says, I'm going to send someone to you who embodies this message, that he can be a reference point, he could be a of, of 3D, of 4D, whatever, however many of these are out these days, I'm not sure. Version of, of, of this, this passage of scripture, this gospel that we preach, I'm gonna send somebody to you. Afterwards, he goes on to give another person that he's gonna send Epaphroditus. I'm gonna send Timothy to you. I'm gonna send Epaphroditus to you. The Lord is, is, is looking to, to form a people. In his glory, in his presence, a people of prayer, a people of the plow, and a people of power. And to send people. To send people. And I believe that that's the Lord's desire and design for this particular house. And it all starts with the foundation of prayer. That's where it all starts. The foundation of prayer. And, and I know that you guys are a people of prayer. But that's, that's where the foundation is laid. That's, that's the primary place, the primary place that we need to give ourselves to as, as families and as men giving ourselves to prayer. One of the things that I know is, is a challenge anywhere in the world and especially in, in, in our lives when we become busier and busier with things, things are added to our plates, you know, our, things are added to our schedules is time. Time is the ultimate resource. It's important that we see time as the ultimate resource. People who understand money well, who understand resources well, and who have stewarded money well, people who have run very successful businesses will tell you, they, they've recognized. When you don't have money, you think you're convinced that money is the greatest resource. That's, you know, any, anybody who's been in a time in their life or maybe is in a time of their life when you have lack of resources, man, it's easy to hear time, but you're like, yeah, but time is not going to pay my bills. But, but when you actually understand resources, when you actually understand resources, you, you will understand there is no greater resource than time. Because money you can always get back, time you can never get back. And, and just on a very foundational level, there is no greater investment of time that we can give... But time pursuing the face of Jesus as individuals and as a family before the face of God. There is no greater investment of our lives that we can make. There's no greater investment. That is the highest investment of life. The highest investment. I think maybe I shared this with you guys last time I was, I was here. I, for, I honestly forget. I've had minor, long COVID symptoms and one of them is like i don't remember <laughs> some things but i don't know if you guys have ever you guys have ever had or or heard people on their deathbeds that are sharing they're sharing you know some of some of what they wish they could do if they could do it all over again some of their regrets some of their like man if i had another shot at it this is what i would do believers almost always say the same thing It's um, literally almost always say the same thing. Unbelievers mention one of these two. Unbelievers, of course, don't mention the first one, usually. But believers will always say, I wish I would have invested more of my life seeking the Lord and getting to know him. You know, and hindsight is always 20-20. I wish I would have been more intentional about looking at my schedule and you know, of course, in, in a realistic kind of way. So what I mean by that is, like, you got a full-time job. You got a family to support. I'm not saying quit your job. Like, <laughs> in a realistic kind of way, right? You have, you have bills you need to pay, but at the same time, in a ruthless kind of way. So realistic in that you don't want to be irresponsible like the Thessalonian believers who were so convinced that Jesus was coming back, which is a good thing, to live super aware of eternity, but in an immature way, and how so? They were quitting their jobs and not paying their bills, and then coming to their brother's house in the church, like, "Hey, man, can I? Can, what are you guys gonna have for dinner tonight? Because I can't feed my family because we're we're busy at the prayer meeting, right?" Not, not like that, not like that, right? Like you gotta you gotta be responsible. Paul says, "If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat." That's pretty clear. But in a ruthless kind of a way, here's the ruthless kind of a way. Do I really need three cars, three car notes? Do do I really need, like, do I really need to give this much of my time for these things that five years from now I'm going to completely forget about? That 20 years from now or 50 years from now I'm going to regret and wish I could have got it back. Did I really need to have that? Was it that necessary? Right? And I'm not talking about, like, the blessing of God. The blessing of God is a good thing. I'm talking about being ruthless with our schedules but in a realistic kind of way, recognizing God's mercy and God's goodness, and recognizing that it says in Isaiah that even a, even a wick, you know, even a candle, the Lord will not snuff out. He's moved. He's, he, the Lord is not looking at us and, and determining if you don't put in at least an hour or two hours or three hours or you've been born again, how long? And from you, I need at least this much time. You know, how can you approach me and only give me this much? I don't even want what you have. The Lord is so kind. And, and, he, and he so much wants to draw near to his people. Even, even when we turn our attention to him for a moment, his heart is moved. His heart is moved. His heart is moved for us and toward us. Anything that we offer to him because he's, that's how kind and good he is. But it's important that we really look at our lives and, and we, we choose to, moving forward, this is one of the things that it's important to even seasonally look at our lives and think to ourselves, okay, Lord, I want to make sure that when I'm whatever it is, some of us are not going to make it to 80 or 90. So we can, we can, you know, those last years of our life and we're, we're sitting there thinking to ourselves, you know, what do I wish I would have did different? If Some of you are wondering, what's the second thing? The first thing is I wish I would have spent more time getting to know the Lord. The second one is I wish I would have spent more time investing in my relationships with my, my wife or my husband or my children. Often it's my children. I wish I would have given more time to investing in my children, enjoying those moments that never come back. Those people that God had given to me, meaning like those deep, heartfelt relationships, God sent these people to me for a reason that I would do life with them and I, I was just so distracted and so busy. And so we want to look at our, we, we, we want to we be very, you know, it's, you can have a Of a vision from the Lord, but if we don't have like a, if we don't have practical wisdom and a plan to implement what that vision looks like, that we're seasonally looking at and, you know, in order to purify or readjusting things, you know, because seasons change. We may, we may have a season that it looks a particular way and then a season may change. We reshift things around because of the situation at hand, because of capacity, because of whatever the case may be. But, it, but it's so important that we seasonally look at our lives. How can we make sure that we implement the pursuit of God's face and developing godly families that will be the base of who we are as a people, knowing that God's going to entrust to us others, that will learn how to love him and to obey him, and will walk in the power of God. They will walk in the power of God because God finds a people that walk in purity, that walk in obedience, that are willing to suffer for his name's sake. If we don't do it seasonally in our lives, it's very, very easy to get swept in the tide of a multiplicity of demands and, you know, urgent things that that just, they, they catch us, you know, like they, they get a hold of us. We're not looking for them. They, they look, they're looking for us. And so just as a, just as a, a, a practical word of encouragement, and not necessarily by way of teaching, but just as a practical word of encouragement, a word of exhortation. I think it's important that we look at that as individuals in our own lives. And, and we set our hearts, we, we, we make a conscious choice and we set our hearts determination towards, Lord, we're going to set our face towards this thing. We're going to set our face like when Jesus set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. There was a shift in his ministry where he turned towards Jerusalem and everything he did was on the road to Jerusalem in the the gospel of Luke. Everything he did was in journey on, on the road to Jerusalem. I'm going to seek the face of God. I'm going to make it a priority as an individual and as a people. I'm going to prioritize seeking the face of God. I'm going to look at my schedule every three months and figure out how can I individually, as a man, as a woman, as a family, how can we seek the face of God? How can we grow in our pursuit of the Lord more so in this season, practically reflected on a calendar than we did last season? I'm going to do that. I'm going to invest in relationships. I'm going to to invest in relationships. I'm not going to be discouraged when God sends broken people. I'm going to pour into broken people. I'm not going to be discouraged by it. I'm going to pour into young people. I'm going to give my time. I'm going to give my resources. And seeing people love Jesus, trusting at the same time God's going to send them out. I'm not going to feel like we're losing if God sends people out. If we're reduced in numbers, we're sending out people, that's actually an affirmation that we're doing things right. And so it's, it's we, we want to do that. And if we, and in seasons that we fail, you know, you break that fast. You missed. Your, you know, you 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 had an off week. Something happened in the family. I'm not going to condemn myself or feel like a failure or quit or rewrite a different plan. No, no, no. I'm just going to just recommit. I'm just recommit to it. I just get back up. No, no shame, no spirit accusation. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to set my face towards it again. And the Lord is not rejecting me in those moments of weakness. No, I'm going to. I'm going to set my heart. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to commit myself to this thing. Amen? So if you guys can stand, we just want to pray and ask God to seal these things in our hearts. Again, more than anything, I just wanted to share a couple of words of encouragement, some things I saw in prayer, and what I really believe that God has already done and is doing in your guys' midst. I believe you guys are an Antioch people, an Antioch people, and I believe at the same time, again, just... What I saw in worship is that there's going to be waves, waves. His presence is going to increasingly continue to just from glory to glory. But as far as people being added to your number, there's going to be waves of great increase. And then waves of great sending. And, and it's, it's going to be families of presence that is the base of who you are. It's going to be healthy families and healthy marriages and 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 healthy families and people of presence and people of purity, and people of power. That's going to be why God's going to send those 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 uh my, those you know mighty men type people, mighty men type families that look really really broken, really really oppressed, really really broken. But God's going to send them to be in the midst, to be in the midst, to behold Jesus in the midst, to seek His face in the midst, so that the Lord can send them out like Timothy's. He can send them out like Timothy's and send them back to where they came from. And they can be a reference, a reference point of God's glory where they're at. One of the things, one last word. One of the things I know in our own ministry, it doesn't relate to you guys at all. But one of the things in our own ministry that even the last couple of years that we've seen is, you know, Iraq is very different in the U.S., but at the same time, sin is sin. We've been doing more things in the South. You know, we tell people all the time, don't be... Don't be deceived by the outward appearance of like dead religion. There's no holy without the Holy Spirit. There's no living presence of God. There's no heart that's burning with love for the Lord. It's impossible without the grace of God. So there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on, all kinds of crazy stuff, but it's masked. And one of the things that we're seeing increasingly so in the South is we're going out and we're sharing, we're connecting with people, is such a high number of, of, of young homosexual men that we're meeting... They're having visions with Jesus, encountering the Lord, and coming from a really, really broken place. Really broken place. A lot of these guys, I know we got kids here too, but is it? Yep. A lot of these guys were abused growing up in families and by family members and all kinds of things. I mean, real, this is, hey, listen, this is the gospel. This is like real gospel one-on-one, rubber-hits-the-road type stuff. And so we were meeting so many of these guys, so many of these young men who reject religion but and and they're something in their heart is drawn to the words of life they've seen him in their dreams they've seen him in visions but at the same time there's a they don't know there's a misunderstanding they think that god often like affirms their way of life and i remember even like between last year and this year running into so many of them that we're like man what are we gonna do like what are we like this is a lot of work like this is a lot of work But feeling like the Lord was saying to us, listen, no, 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 these are, give yourself to seeking the face of God, trusting in the power of the gospel to liberate, to liberate. That's what we want. We we, we, we cannot be discouraged by by seeing brokenness when God sends it to us. We can't be discouraged from two perspectives. One, from the perspective of like, man, this is not going to happen. Like, this is not going to happen. I sat with one guy. I was like, okay, the first thing is get a haircut. It's just as real as that. Well, what should I do? Stop. Ha- those friends you told me you're hanging out with, you're not hanging out with them anymore. Cut your hair. Get that nice high and tight fade. Right? Like, you want to act like a man. That's the first thing. I'm going to be a loving father to you and help you out. Listen, it, it, gets, it gets really real. Second thing. I should have been the first thing, but the first thing was the haircut. We're gonna seek the face of God. <laughs> You're not gonna distract other people because of your haircut. No, but right. It's, it's the Lord sending so many of these young men, broken men. And I talked to the team. We said, man, we gotta have a plan. We gotta have a, an intentional plan. God is showing us the brokenness of this society and young men and a generation that needs the love of God and freedom, and and fathers and families that seek the face of God and the power of the Spirit. It can't just be words. It, can't, it has to be more than words. It has to be the power of his presence. We need his presence. We need his presence. We, it's either that or we got nothing. We got nothing to offer, right? And so anyways, yeah, let's, let's just pray. Let's pray. And what I want to ask you to pray is this. I, I want to ask you to pray this. For everybody in the house and even uniquely so the men everybody in the house and uniquely so the men i want you to ask the lord it's, there's no legalistic way to do this there's no like this is what you should do i want you to ask the lord lord what areas of my life are you asking me because he's going to ask you to shift around what do you want me to cut into what do you want me to shave off not from a place of condemnation no, from a place of love because you're inviting me into love. Not from a place of comparison because this guy can do this and I can't do that. Not at all. That's, that's immaturity when we, when we think like that. That's the, that's the way the world thinks. No, not at all. The Lord has moved whether it's, whether it's 10 minutes or whether it's an hour. Lord, give me wisdom. Solomon prayed for wisdom. And wisdom sometimes looks as practical as that. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, how can I? In my schedule, how can I, Lord, in, my, in, in, in the everyday happenings of life, turn my attention to you and to your word and give myself to your presence and to prayer and give myself into investing in my family and give myself into investing in others? Lord, how, how can I start with prayer? Lord, how can it, in my schedule, how can I start with prayer? Lord, speak to me, Lord. How can I add in this next season of life? time to really pursue your face. Thank you, Lord, and with a heart of encouragement, Lord, we, we ask you, Lord, to speak to us, to speak to us. Thank you, Lord, our hearts are not discouraged. We thank you, Lord, that you invite us to pursue you. And that even in our weakness, Lord, you're, you're not You don't reject us, Lord. Whatever we we bring to you, we we bring to you, Lord, in our own brokenness. Lord, we bring ourselves to you in our own brokenness. Thank you, God, that you embrace us even in the midst of our own brokenness. Thank you, Lord, that you invite us to come wherever we may be at just just to be with you, to be with you. Lord, that we, we need authentic and real presence. But we don't need hype. We, we need authentic and real presence. God, I thank you for just what I believe that you Showed that I want to just really pray for and affirm. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for godly families in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for healthy marriages in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for the grace to communicate, to increase. In relationships between husband and wife, between parents and children, between children and parents. Between family and family, Lord. Wisdom and grace to communicate in a spirit of humility, in a spirit of love in the spirit of honor and in all truth. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for greater grace to seek your face, Lord. We recognize, Lord, that we can't will our way into the presence of God, but we can surrender. We can surrender. You're the one that does the work, Lord. We ask you, God, for an increase of the grace to seek your face. An increase of the grace to seek your face. Not from a place of, of striving, Lord, but from a place of, of gazing. A place of gazing, Lord. Not from a place of a, a legalistic pursuit, but from a place of a, a deep recognition of a need for you, Lord. We, we need you. We need you. Lord, thank you, Lord, my God, for, for this house, Lord. Lord, I trust, Lord, that you're going to continue to bring people to this house from around the country lord many different families i believe and and even many young people thank you lord for the ones that you will send and thank you lord that as they give themselves lord to you and to your word and to your presence you're gonna touch many heal many prepare many instruct many many will be many will rise up and will be sent out Thank you for the power of God that's on this house. Thank you for that word of authority and power. Thank you there's a real power and authority upon this house, Lord. I pray, God, increase, Lord, in Jesus' name. Increase power and authority. Thank you, Lord, for increased power and authority.